I came up with it just when we were with our neighbors, we were talking about parenting and I said, parenting is only hard for good parents. Oh yeah. Mm. And uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll put that stuff out there. And it, it's never moms. I will say it's never moms that comment this. It's, it's dads. And I'm like, you should have just kept quiet. You're out in yourself, man. Like just <laughs> stop. They say parenting isn't hard at all. Like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Parenting is not hard at all. I love my kids. The beauty of it. It's great. And I'm like, okay, well, you clearly missed the point, but maybe you don't, don't say that to anybody else. When it comes to building a business empire online while intentionally cultivating a thriving life at home with kids, well, there is no roadmap. It's not easy, but the great news is we're not alone. We live in a crazy world that is truly unlike any other time in our history. And if you're like me, you've got an impact of your own to make but you're not willing to sacrifice your relationship with those that you love in order to get it. My name is Stephanie Dove Blake, and this is the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast, where we'll journey together to learn what it means to be a truly powerful parent. Let's go. Hello, and welcome back to the Powerful Parenting Journey. Today's episode is an affirmation for all those parents out there that are feeling the weight of their efforts. If you've ever laid in bed at night, exhausted, wondering if you're doing enough for your children or if today was the day you officially screwed them up, <laughs> then this is the episode that will resonate deeply with you. Joining us today is John from The Tired Dad. He is a figure that many of you might recognize from his candid and heartfelt videos on social media platforms like YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. His message is both empowering and it is super humbling that true intentional parenting is just going to tire you out. But here's the twist. It's not about being tired of your kids. It's about being tired from them because you've been serving them. You've been showing up and being a powerful parent. John's journey is nothing short of inspiring though. He has risen above trauma and substance abuse, and he took extreme measures to regulate his emotions, process his past, and ensure that he stepped into his role as a father with as little baggage as possible. Through the Tired Dad brand, he champions a mantra that make many nod in agreement, which is that parenting is only hard for the good parents. With a mixture of humor, raw honesty, and deep reflections, John reminds us that all that the time that we have with our children is both precious and it is fleeting. Every moment of fatigue, every ounce of effort is a testament to our dedication to our kids. Because at the end of the day, true parenting, the kind that leaves an indelible mark on our children's hearts, requires hard work. And yes, it will make you tired. But oh, how incredibly worth it it is. So whether you're a new parent, a seasoned one, or someone preparing for the journey, today's conversation is a heartfelt reminder of the beauty, the challenges, and the profound rewards of parenting. So let's dive in. All right, welcome back to the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast. Today, I am so excited because this uh, we have someone on that I have been following on social media. And I absolutely love this guy and his wife. They are doing some incredible things and really raising awareness in the parenting world about just what it means to be a parent. And he goes by the tired dad. So his name is John. John, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. I just know everybody's just going to love what you have to say. So thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm humbled by that introduction. Thank you. Dude. You're doing amazing things. So if, if, if for those who might be listening that don't even know what Tired Dad is, could you give us a, a short synopsis of what you're doing and, and what Tired Dad is? Yeah. So my kind of statement that I say after Tired Dad, they say, why the Tired Dad? Or, don't you love being a parent? And that's exactly what it means. Tired from parenting, not of parenting. So a tired dad or a tired mom is just somebody that's tired because they're putting so much effort into parenting. They love parenting. It's they're putting everything they have into it. So how else would you be but uh, tired? So it, it's it's kind of like a badge of honor to be to be tired. But you, you're tired just because you love what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. It's the equivalent of leaving it all on the all on the the floor, all on the mat, right? Or yeah, in parenting. I love that so much. And so you tell us about you got two kids, right? And what ages are they? My daughter is six, almost seven. And my son is three, almost four. They're pretty much exactly three years apart. So talk to me about how you had this revelation, because I feel like there has been for the past probably two years on social media, 
at least what I've observed in my newsfeed, and you know how the algorithms like to feed you what they think you want. But what I've seen a lot of is a lot of moms kind of coming through and, um, and, and dads as well coming through and just kind of like, you know, oh, you know, this parenting thing is really hard. I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to do this. I have to do that. And um, a great mentor once told me, whenever we say I have to do something, we're taking on a, a victim mentality because technically, aren't you choosing it, right? You're you're choosing to do the thing. So I get to and like changing and, and flopping that. But I feel in social media, uh, a lot of parents are in the complaining mode, <laughs> which is fine because we're doing a lot, right? But it's almost like that back-ended resolution of what your message is isn't happening. Um, have Have you seen that at all, or am I? Is that just my newsfeed? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I see. I, I think it's supernatural to kind of have that response when things are really hard. Is to just kind of take on that. This is hard, and and also with social media, the comparison. Comparison is the thief of joy, right? So I think a lot of the times we see, uh, you know, people, moms are on social media saying, why is it so, why is parenting so easy for this person? They're just like dancing. They're always on vacation. Their kids match all the time. You know, you know, those, those family vlogger pages are great and they're entertaining, but sometimes I think they portray an unrealistic uh, view of parenting, which I like to show kind of obviously the real side. And I'm just putting out there my vulnerable thoughts and feelings towards parenting and what I go through in my, the stages of parenting that I'm in. But I I think it's the comparison thing is, is really kind of damaging to, to parents because we're saying, why, why can't I have this? Or why, why am I not here? And as we know, as you know, especially there's different phases of parenting and that newborn phase is hard in a different way than probably the teenage phase, right? So I just think that's a natural response for people going through something very hard. And parenting is very hard. Like, it's very hard. Like, we need to be honest about that, how hard it is. And I always tell people, especially new dads, make sure you're good. You know, make sure you're good and, and your past is is sorted out because once you have kids kind of sorting through all that past trauma and trying to heal after you have kids is, is kind of a, is, that's a challenge. So, yeah. So let's talk about that because I 100% agree with you. What, you know, my, my journey as a kid was rough. I have tons of trauma that I've had to work through and deal with in order to show up fully for my kids and not be held back or maybe some different version of who I actually am because of that trauma, you know, casting shadows on that. What has it been like for you as you, you know, were living through how you were parented and kind of dealing with that trauma yourself? Like, what does that journey look like for you? Yeah. So I'm the youngest of three. I have an older sister and older brother and they're about eight years older than me that they're, they're like 18 months apart. So they're about seven, eight years older than me. So I was, I was almost in a way like an only child in a way because of, of the age difference. And I think I got a different version of my parents than they did because like their childhood memories are totally different than mine. And my parents got divorced when I was 13. So I never really saw um, like a super healthy marriage. Like they were on their way out by the time I started growing up, like they were kind of arguing and going through their, their troubles. And my older brother and sister, they got like all the family vacations, like as us, as a family and just different memories. So it was, it's interesting looking back on that. And so I kind of got that kind of broken version of my parents because they were going through a rough time together. And then I was coming into adolescence and trying to figure that all out. So, um, I, I mean, I made some, I was a bad kid. I made some decisions and I I've talked about it openly about addiction and I, I got involved in drugs and alcohol very, very young and through my, really my whole life. And now being sober, it's, it's been a journey to kind of unpack all that 
I guess, childhood trauma or basically I just wasn't dealing with my emotions. I'm, I'm just like this unregulated adult that used alcohol, even if it wasn't like fall down drunk, I used, I used it every time a feeling would come up and stuff. So once I had my daughter, I'm like, I, I'm not, I'm not doing this to her. I'm not going to give her a broken version of myself. You know, I, I have to clean myself out, figure all this, look at everything square in the face, which was very scary. And, you know, you're talking 23 years of substance abuse off and on where I wasn't dealing with any of this, never went to a therapist, nothing. And you're growing up at the same time. So it just kind of hit me when my daughter was born, like, I need to figure this out. So it's been a journey the last six years, seven years, but it's been amazing too. It's been, it's kind of like that hard work that you do. And you're like, wow, this might be the hardest work I've ever done. <laughs> well, I have mad respect for you in that whatever is in you decided to do that for your daughter. Cause there's a lot of people who don't make that decision. Right. And then furthermore, I also think there's like this uh, silent version of that where people don't necessarily continue on in the bad actions, but then they don't do the mental work to to free themselves from the trauma. So they're not doing the bad things anymore, the drugs or the whatever, but they still haven't actually, like you said, learned to regulate their emotions and understand what they're going through. So for anybody listening, what what did that journey look like for you? Like, did, did you have a therapist? Like, how, how did you work on that? Um, I didn't have a, a therapist, but it, it just sparked that desire once I had my daughter. And the thing is, it, older parents would tell me, you know, once you have kids, you're, it's going to change you. And you, when my wife was pregnant, I was trying so hard to feel something like to feel a connection because my wife was she was getting that connection as she was pregnant and she was changing and I saw her change. And I mean, she has a human being growing inside of her. Obviously that's going to change you and, and you're <laughs> yeah. going to have kind of a different connection than me. So I was like, okay, what, when's this going to happen? When's this going to happen? And it was immediate. Like right when I heard her cry coming out of my wife, I was like, it, that was, that was crazy. Hard to put into words how how insane and it was just immediate i just viewed the world differently and um my wife went through postpartum with my daughter and it that was difficult very difficult didn't didn't know what that was either not a lot of people told me kind of how to deal with that so we just kind of learned on our own but really it was just it was a lot of work a lot of reflection a lot of being honest with myself and fortunately, I also have an amazing wife that was there for me and never gave me like this ultimatum or never said, you need to do this or you need to do that. She just let me be. And she was always just there for me. I was there for her. And we just kind of work together. We don't have any family here with us. So it's just us. And we don't have people to watch our kids, grandparents or anything. They live in other states. so. We, we just figured it out on our own. And with my honesty, being honest with her, myself, and just unpacking everything. And it, it took a while. It wasn't like I was just like, okay, I'm going to stop drinking now. It, it took years and years of off and on and failure and, you know, all that stuff. But it was just, I have a saying, keep showing up which is a very simple saying, but it just means no matter how many times you fail or, you know, maybe you have a bad day in parenting or you started to drink again, as long as the next day you go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get a little better. I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to keep, keep doing this, even though I'm taking two steps forward, three steps back, I'm going to keep going. Eventually you'll start to walk forward. Wow. That is that is so powerful. Uh, it, like you said, it doesn't seem like much, but 
man, on those rough days in parenting, whenever you feel like you really just screwed everything up and, you know, to show up the next day and say, I'm still here. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to work through this. And so, but what I hear you saying, and I want to dig just a little bit deeper because I'm, I'm thinking about the people listening. And so maybe someone right now is knows, and they're aware that trauma is affecting how they're parenting right now. And maybe, maybe they're like, man, John, how do I regulate my emotions? Like, what does that even look like? Like, did you have meditation? Were you listening to something? Like, what did you do to help yourself through that process? Obviously, keep you kept showing up. But like, how did you learn to regulate your emotions and, and work through that? So for me, what worked for me is obviously I needed to stop drinking because that that does not do anything good for your emotions. It just numbs it. And I've I've just realized how much it it numbed and how honestly well alcohol works for anxiety and all that stuff. It, it works very well. Um, it gets you out of that social anxiety, all that stuff. However, we all know that it comes back, uh, you know, 10 times as bad when you stop or, you know, if you don't keep that going. But when I started to drink less and for me, I started to, to do cold plunges. Oh, wow. So in, awesome. Yeah. So about I got into cold showers years ago, like three years ago. and. I was trying to do the cold baths and they were so hard and I hated it. And I still hate it after years of doing it. But last year when I really decided, okay, I'm done drinking. Like I'm not going to drink again. Um, I put this cow trough outside and I'm in Nashville, so it can get cold in the winter. And I put it out there in December and I just went out there every night The at the same time that I would have a drink and I just started immersing myself in this cold water. And it was an amazing experience because I didn't think I could do it. And then I was doing it. And it gave me kind of this new confidence that, okay, I can do, I can do really, really hard things, you know, over and over again, I kept doing it. And then, um, <clears throat> yes, meditation and like breath work, I, I found this breath work on YouTube, which kind of forced me into that meditation. And I had a, like a realization because my wife's like, you're, you're kind of crazy. Like you're, <laughs> you're okay. So you're not drinking anymore, but now you're outside when it's 28 <laughs> degrees in cold water, you're doing this weird breath work. Like you're wanting to get into, you know, bike riding. Like, what are you doing? Like, why are you always doing something? Like, don't you ever relax? And I just realized, and this is where that honesty comes in, just kind of how I'm wired. And I am either going, and I, I came up with this, I'm either going to do extreme things that are good for me or extreme things that are bad for me. And there's really no middle ground to that. So now I'm just doing weird, crazy stuff that's good for me, you know, uh, getting into fitness and working out and just adventuring with the kids and, ad and adventuring and cold plunging and breath work and just kind of experience the extreme things of life or these weird things in life that just kind of fulfill that thing that I need that I've been wired as far as I can remember as a kid. Like I was always into, you know, skateboarding at a very young age and surfing and just dirt biking and everything. I, I'm just wired to kind of be extreme. It's just sometimes um, if you choose the wrong path, you can do extreme things that are bad for you. So dude, John, I, I just, I think you're an incredible human being. I really, really do. I really do. I think you're a um, cut from cut from similar cloth as most of my entrepreneurial friends in that we're box breakers, right? And that's what I think stands out the most about the content that you're creating is it's like, you know, you're saying things that um, a lot of people don't want to say or they don't want to acknowledge um, in really encouraging ways. Like to me, a lot of your posts have been very profound. And I'm like, ah, I wish I would have thought of that. That was incredible. But just putting it out there to inspire other people. And I can see that where you're like, hey, look, if I'm going to do this, we're going we're to do this. 
and you're putting it out there. And, 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 uh, that's the kind of stuff that changes the world and makes a really big difference. So I think that's so stinking awesome. That was hard for me to do, to put all this stuff out there. It didn't come naturally. It's not who I am. I'm kind of an extrovert around people I'm comfortable with, but I'm not one to just like lay it out. I'm not an open book with everybody, but you know, going through this journey, I had that thought of, you know, the people that change the world aren't quiet people. They're not just sitting back and, and just living their life. They're being there. That vulnerability is what is what frees yourself, but also what changes the world and changes other people. Because when I started putting this stuff out, I didn't know how relatable it would be. I, I thought I was just kind of it may be insane or something. <laughs> and, uh, and, and my struggles as a father and how much, how many people related to it was very surprising to me. And it just was that reassurance that I was right about it. Like just vulnerability is the way to go. And that's what really can help people and change people. And so I just had to kind of get over that fear and I think as, as you know, as an entrepreneur, it's, it's so you can't have that fear or you're just not going to get to that next level. That fear is going to stop you. And uh, being an entrepreneur, everybody thinks that it's just this great freedom that we have. And we all know that you work even harder, but there's that. I don't know what the word for it is, but that, that feeling that you get when you're doing something you love and it's not work. You know, they say it's not really work because I love to do it. And that's, that's true. Freedom is, is living the life that you actually want. And that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur, but there's, you got to get over that fear for sure. A hundred percent. And you know, one thing I love that you told me before we started chatting was, you know, this entrepreneurial life is a means to the end to build the life that you and your wife wanted. Right. And so talk to us about that, like how you and your wife intentionally chose entrepreneurialism to create the life with your kids that you wanted. I always knew I wanted to be a father. And I always, even when I, I remember being like 18 years old, thinking about careers and, and a path and saying, well, I don't want to be gone all the time, or I don't even want to be you know, I don't want to work that typical schedule and only have a couple hours at night with my children. My dad worked a lot. He's a very hard worker. He taught me a lot about what it means to be hard work, a hard worker and have good character and honesty. But he was, he worked a lot and he was, it was hard for him to turn it off once he got home because it was a stressful job. And I just, I don't feel like he's enjoying his work. You know, I want a job that I enjoy. And I realized soon after that, that I like to help people. And I also like conversating with people and learning from others. So I became a personal trainer and started my own personal training business. Didn't know that would be a career, but I did it for 13 years. And my wife became a hairstylist right when she graduated high school. And she also wanted to just have that freedom. She's, she's from um, Cleveland, Ohio. So she comes from a very blue collar family and she just wanted to get out of Ohio and experience different things in the world, you know? And, and she thought, well, if I've become a hairstylist, I can kind of do this anywhere. So that's what we've done. And then we got married and we said, we don't want to be working all the time and have our kids in daycare at, at right from the start. We want to split this schedule, split this time. So the beauty of being an entrepreneur and having your own business is you can make your own hours. You know, you, you work very hard, but you can make your own hours. So what I would do is I would, being a personal trainer, I would wake up at 4 a.m. and train, you know, clients till 10 a.m. And so work kind of half a day, come home with my daughter, my newborn daughter, she, my wife would go to work, come home, and then I'd go back to work for a few hours. So we did that for for years. And, um, now obviously it's, it's getting more balanced, but we, we still always split that time. So that's what, when we, before we had kids, we, we talked about that and what schedules would work and we, we made it happen. And, um, yeah, now, now my daughter's in first grade, 
which is crazy. Isn't that great? Yeah. My son's in kind of a preschool. So, but we still are able to spend a lot of time with them and uh, work our schedules out. So that's awesome. Hey, powerful parents, Stephanie here. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Did you know that statistics show that 88% of Americans say they eat dinner with their family every night or a few times a week? I think that's a pretty awesome stat. But if you're anything like me and you're an entrepreneur, then after a day filled of putting out fires and maybe various events testing your patients, sometimes it's hard to think of questions that can help you really connect with your kids beyond the standard, how was your day? When my kids were just littles, I put together a list of questions to solve this problem and to help us have something to connect with over dinner time. And now I would love to share my curated dinner questions with you. This is good for littles and for bigs. There's lots of different varying questions in there. And these questions are going to help to ensure that the conversation is not just lively, but will bring you closer to your children while you enjoy a delicious meal together. As a listener of this podcast, you can get access to these questions at www.powerfulparentingtribe.com. Once you're there, make sure to type in your best email and I'll have my team shoot over the questions for you. Once you get the questions, I encourage you to make this a family affair. Print them out. Have your kids help you cut them out. We even grabbed a mason jar, and my kids decorated it, and that's where we put all of our questions, and that same mason jar still sits on or near our dinner table to this day. We've been using these questions for close to eight years now, and I've really enjoyed the fun conversation and connection that's come from them. I hope your family enjoys them as much as mine have. Again, that's www.powerfulparentingtribe.com. Now back to the show. I love that so much because it takes, uh, you know, that out of the box thinking in order to be like, you know what, we're going to create a life that enables us to live this way. And it's not going to look normal. It's not going to look like a nine to five job. It's going to have to look like this. So I applaud you for going after it. So one of the main themes in the tired dad, because you're really, truly, I mean, I know you have a lot of female followers. I'm obviously not a dad. I'm a mom and I follow you because I love your content. So I know you have a lot of female followers going like, yeah, this is amazing, you know, stuff here. And you have a lot of dads and and for the dads that are listening right now, um, we, we had chatted about how there's this kind of Oh, almost like an awakening, if we can even be as bold to say that about kind of the family unit and how it functions with a mom and a dad and, and just those two individuals or those two roles, right? And, and how dads seem to, there's like this messaging on social media about how dads are kind of waking up and, and being more involved. And there's not just the mom that's nurturer, but it's the dad that's the nurturer too. And, and so I'd love to hear kind of some of your thoughts for the dads that are listening around those thoughts and revelations for this generation and kind of what's going on. Yeah. I, and I, I think a lot of that too, the dads are able to be more involved because of, well, working from home, as we know, is, has increased a a lot of dads work from home now, or they're entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurship is obviously a big thing now, way, way bigger than when, you know, we were kids. So I think that plays a huge role into it, but also I think dads and parents in general, there's that intention behind it that they, they do want to be with their kids more. They do want to be involved more. And I I see it a lot where I am just dads that are, you know, taking their kids to school all the time, picking them up, taking them to doctor's appointments, um, you know, playing with them, you know, just, just taking, just being a parent. But I think how we grew up, I had boomer parents. So my dad worked and my mom kind of stayed home and and did all the household stuff. And my dad was just provider, you know, provider. And obviously was there for me, but in a different way than my mom. Right. So it was a very traditional role. And if we want to go back before them, very, very traditional, right? Dads were out, you know, just providing and, and making sure financials and and everything were set and then kind of came home and was like, eh, ask your mom. <laughs> Don't bother me. So now dads are essentially playing a mom role as well, or the traditional mom role from the past. So we're seeing a more involved dad, just more involved with the emotions of their children. So um, just being there more emotionally 
than just just physically and being more than just a provider being yeah, more the than dad a that can yeah the dad can go grocery shopping the dad can take the kids with them going grocery shopping the dad knows what their doctor's names are and and all that stuff so i know the inner workings of the house are more of a team effort now or that's what i've seen starting to come up yeah and so I find it so interesting because I, I have this book and it's called Take Back Your Family. And it's by Jefferson Beth Bethke. And this book is absolutely phenomenal. But one of the things it talks about is, you know, historically, parenting has changed so much over different decades and centuries. And so even if we look back, like what you're talking about, like where maybe in the 50s and and even maybe the 40s, again, guys, I do not claim to be a historian here. So yeah, if I get this wrong, <laughs> don't hate me. But but loosely looking back and you look at the 50s and the stereotypical, stereotypical nuclear family, and then kind of what progressed from there in that the woman started going to work, going to work more. And then, but the pressures and the the expectations on the woman didn't necessarily change in that time period. And it kind of remained stuck in that 50s era, I feel like. And so, and and we as moms was like, oh, well, of course I can go to work too. I can do this and I can do that. And I don't know about other moms that might be listening, but I've always been that way. I noticed that about myself from a young age, whenever I was a young mother and I would just be like, I'm... I can do anything. I I will do all the things. Like I'm capable. I can, you know, I can be in that vein, then jump into that vein, and then I can go into that vein. And I knew that my husband didn't work the same way. Like his, his brain just literally didn't work the same way. And I was cool with that. It's like, but he can do things that I can't do. And I had such respect for that. But what's so interesting is in Take My Family Back, Jefferson talks about before the 50s and about how the original family unit would work and how, um, you know, even back in the Western days in the United States, and he even took it back over to the Middle East and how families were run there and still are run there, uh, run uh, in the Middle East in a lot of ways. But in America, you know, whenever we were first starting out, like the family was this unit that worked together on the farm or worked at their bakery or worked at their shop or whatever it was that they did until we kind of got into this industrialized factory type of model in America. And, but prior to that, the kids were heavily involved and they were often alongside their dad in the work. Like they were going out into the fields or they were going and helping at the whatever store. And so there was very much so a shared responsibility in uh, the role of where are the kids going, where the, the parenting and all that. And again, this is just like loosely based um, things that I've seen from his book and some other things I was looking into. And I find it just so interesting because everything works in seasons and cycles, right? I mean, everything, the woman <laughs> works in cycles. Our, yes. We have seasons, <laughs> right? We have seasons in our world and there's these things that happen whether we want them to or not. And, 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 and there's some people who have a lot bigger brains than I do that talk about like the fourth turning or something. And about how even our even our societies are on these like century long cycles that are predictable. And 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 it, it just it blows my mind because my brain is not that big. Um, so I'll sit and listen. I'm like, wow, wow, wow. And so but with parenting itself, whenever we look at just the small synopsis of what we're talking about here, how it's kind of boomeranging back around. But I don't know that our society or our our setup for our family units typically is the mom and the dad are both working typically. Right. If we can if we can say that. So it's, we're, we're wanting to have that, but I, I feel like we're, it's hard. It, like you said, it's just freaking hard. It's hard parenting in general, but then you throw in the fact that, you know, it, it's not like it once was, and we're not all working on a farm together and doing work together. You know, we're leaving the home, we're doing this, we're doing that. And so it's all, it was already a hard job to begin with. And then the, the way our society is set up nowadays, I think is compounded and causes a lot more, I don't know, anxiety and, and frustration. Cause there's like, there's this underlining feeling of like, why has it got to be so hard? <laughs> why does it have yeah. to be so hard? And I always think about that and, and question all that, all, all these like systems and, and stuff we're part of that we don't necessarily want to be part of, right? Yeah. We, we're just, we're we just, just part are. of them. We have to be. And I, I, I thought, well, is, is all these systems and everything making parenting harder? So 
is like, is parenting this hard or is it, or are we this stressed out from parenting or are we this stressed out from the distractions, which are all these systems and everything that we have to be a part of? Like if we took those away, what, what are we left with? Like just, just our children and raising them and, and, and that beauty of that. So it's, it's trying to obviously regulate yourself and, and to know the difference and to kind of separate those two. And also when I bring this stuff up, people are like, well, what do you want me to do? I have to make money. I have to work this job. I, I I'm in this job that I hate, but I have to provide for my family and all this stuff. And I wish I had all the answers. I, I hardly know what I'm doing, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but I think what I know that I've done and what has brought fruit to my life is intentions. So having that intention, having that desire, okay, I want to be with my kids more. That's an in- intention and then figuring it out. And I don't know what that is for you, but you have to, I, there's so much, you have to get over the fear. You have to not think just one simple way. You have to, you know, expand your mind and think of all these areas. And really you have to limit the distractions of other people. So other people's opinions, uh, you know, because we, we believe everything that people say, whether we think so or not subconsciously this is why we ask those questions like what do you want me to do because your belief is that you can't do anything else because that's what you've been told so you have to block that noise the comparison everything and just focus on your intentions and what you really want in life and what you want for your family and i i just feel like you'll figure it out but no, I don't think anybody has the answer for you in your life because how are we supposed to know that? But, but there are these like rules and, and ways to go about it, which is, you know, staying positive and getting rid of the fear and all that. So the getting rid of the fear part, I think is like so huge because a lot of people are just scared of what it looks like if they don't, because they have to get uncomfortable, right? So like, if you want something abnormal, almost always it requires discomfort. And I think a lot of people are used or or we can all get used to running passively and unintentionally and letting life happen to us rather than commanding how our life will happen. And so I think that fear piece that you're talking about is one of the biggest ones because it's like fear of discomfort. Like, what is it going to look like if I if I want that? Then what does that mean? My actions have to be, and what are the ramifications of those actions? And oh my gosh, that's going to make it look like this, or I'm going to have to do this one thing. Like, I just talked to a family yesterday um, who their interview is going to be on the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast. Um, the Beck strands, and they were just talking about how they just decided at some point that when they did decide to give their kids a phone, it just wasn't going to have social media. And that, 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 I mean, that's a small example of like, they're going to have to deal with what are other parents going to say? What are our kids going to say? What are, what are our kids' friends going to say to their, to, to our kids, you know, and there's, there's potential, a lot of unknowns and a lot of discomfort. And I was like, did you know anybody else that had done this? Like, and they didn't, but yet when they decided to give their kids a phone, which I think for them was in junior high, they just gave it to them and they stripped that phone down. It was nothing but an actual phone. And so they had just decided because they make a living off of social media. They have over 6 million followers. And they were like, we just know enough to know that what social media does is not going to be good for you. And here's what we know. And they taught their kids. They gave them the why. And they equip them with the why. And then they just never gave them social media. And they still to this day have. And whenever their daughter's 17 years old, they're like, hey, do you want to go ahead and put social media on your phone so you can kind of get used to this? And the daughter's like, no, I don't want it, mom. I see what it's done to my friends. Mm-hmm. And and like yeah. huge. Yeah. I mean, as an adult being on social media, I, it's it's sometimes hard. And it's been a learning process. And I have to, you know... I have to manage it, but I couldn't imagine for like a 13 year old girl or a 13 year old boy, like with all this stuff on it's, I mean, growing up is hard enough. And then social media, I, 
you're just you're just getting people's intrusive thoughts and and things that they would never say to another person, but they're writing it. So you're getting all these horrible things that nobody would ever say to you, but they are saying to you because they're writing it to you. And that's just, it's just, yeah, I, I agree with that to not have kids on social media to, to definitely, I think it was Matthew McConaughey just said that too. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, he didn't have his daughter get on till she was like 16 or whatever, which is a starting point. You know, I still think it should be like, 21. <laughs> I know. I, I agree with you. We'll see. That's the crazy, awesome part about it is so for our family, you know, we have, we have our own crazy out of the box ideals. And so like my sons didn't get a phone until they were 17. Like they just didn't even get a phone until they were 17. Cause our family didn't need that. A lot of other families, they have reasons for their, their kids needing phones at some of them age of five, right? You got blended families, you got all sorts of stuff going on and reasons why kids actually do need phones. But for our family and how everything was set up, we homeschooled for years, like it just didn't make sense. And so our, our boys got them at 17 and, um, and we, we got them on social media. You know, uh, I think we, one of them had like a social media account on their computer before they ever had a phone. And so their interaction with social media was so different, but now I'm even like thinking, not that I I think 17 for our family is a great time period, but my daughter, she doesn't have a phone, but she does have an Instagram account that we just got for her. She's 15. And, and I'm like, wow, you know, like the Beckstrands made me even think more about this. And I'm going to have a conversation with my daughter. I, I believe in making sure that you're talking about, you're talking with your kids about whys. And my kids are incredibly thank God, I don't, I'm just, I just hope it just continues all the way through, but they're very mature, like very smart, very mature. And, and I I know that kids, if you treat them like they can have their own ideals and their own thoughts, then they will. Right. And so like my 15 year old, yes. Okay. So talk to me about that. Cause I'm talking to her about this and I'm going to be like, Hey, do you feel like this is actually adding anything to your life right now? Like, what are you what is the benefit of having an Instagram account right now? And in Pinterest, she has Instagram and Pinterest. Yeah. Well, I, I think you're the expert here. You have the, the teenagers and, and you're seeing the fruit of that. So I think with, with that mentality, that's my mentality too, is just kind of let them figure it out. You, you have to, it, you're, you're, you're guiding them. You've already guided them and, and kind of instilled all those values and everything. And a lot of it probably was you not really consciously even knowing, but just again, those intentions and everything, I think you're seeing, you're, you're seeing that happening with your kids now. And it, I definitely think, I mean, you should give yourself a lot of credit for that and um, how your kids are, because it, it's huge. And if they're like that, then that's your doing and that's your the, the stuff you've instilled in them the past 10 years, you know? Well, and see that you bringing that up is something that I feel like for everybody listening, a lot of times we'll do things, right? We talk about this in the entrepreneurial space, right? You don't know that you're actually a genius in something, uh, because it seems so easy to you because you just, you, you think you come by it naturally, but actually there was some point where you developed a skill and then you just do this thing. And it's like, no big deal to you. But whenever someone else sees you do it, they're like, Oh, that's incredible. And so I think as parents, um, especially for myself, there are always these drivers of why I want a certain outcome. And ultimately, I'm always working to see that outcome come to pass in my life in the different verticals, especially with my children. And so over the years, like people would meet my kids and they'd be like, wow, like, whoa, (laughs) what are you doing? And I'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, But at that point, I started going, what am I doing? And what are the things that we can do as parents? And a lot of times we are on autopilot. And what I feel like you're saying here is with tired dad, like the whole message is you can't be a truly tired dad, you know, um, if you're not leaving it out on them all on the mat, you know, and you're showing up and you're being intentional, right? And, 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 and at the end of the day, you're even more exhausted because you can get plenty exhausted just with working a job and having a commute or running in that business, you know, that you're trying to build and all these huge decisions and the weight of the world feels like it's on your shoulders just with that alone. And then you turn away from the computer or you walk through the door after your commute. And then you have this beautiful family waiting there for you. And you got to show up for them too. Like, oh, it's, it's a, it's a lot. 
And I have um, another saying that I put out there, which is sometimes taken the wrong way, but a lot of people, they know what I'm saying with it. But, and I, I came up with it just when we were with our neighbors, we were talking about parenting and I said, parenting is only hard for good parents. Oh yeah. Mm. And uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll put that stuff out there. And it, it's never moms. I will say it's never moms that comment this. It's, it's dads. And I'm like, you should have just kept quiet. You're out in yourself, man. Like, just <laughs> stop. They say parenting isn't hard at all. Like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Parenting is not hard at all. I love my kids, the beauty of it. It's great. And I'm like, okay, well, you clearly missed the point, but maybe you don't, don't say that to anybody else. The, the visual um, that came to my mind when you said that is like, okay, you obviously haven't been in the foxhole. Like, yeah. you know, you're viewing the war from up on some pedestal yeah. and like their little chess pieces. In reality, you've never been in the foxhole. Like, and, and also parenting is hard, only hard for good parents. Obviously it doesn't mean we're miserable. And like I, like I said, I'm, I'm not tired of parenting or I'm, um, yeah, I'm not tired of parenting. I'm tired from parenting. No, parenting is the best thing that's ever happened to me. It, it's changed my whole life. I love my kids. It's beautiful. It's awesome. But if you don't think it's hard, what are you doing? <laughs> if you're not tired from parenting, what are you doing? <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously, you know what I mean by that. Most people do. Um it, it's not going to be hard if you're not involved, right? You, if you're just, you I'm know, passive, like, let's think about how life was before kids. You know, we thought life was hard before kids. And then we had kids and we're like, whoa, this is different, you know? So yeah, it, I, I find that quote to be super motivating and super um, reassuring to parents that on hard days, you're going, I'm the worst parent ever. And also good parents feel guilty. You know, good parents question if they are a good parent, you know, a bad parent's not going to be like, am I a bad parent? No, I'm just going to do my thing. You know, yeah, I'm good. Um, <laughs> so on those, hard days, on those hard days or those guilty days, you're laying down at night and you're like, I just messed up. I'm, not, I'm a bad dad. or I'm a bad mom. And, and you go, wait, wait, I'm, I'm thinking this because I, I care. I, I'm a good parent. And parenting is hard and I'm not alone. You know, that's, that's the biggest thing is going back to that comparison thing. We're going, we, we sometimes can feel alone because we're looking at all these parents just like, why is it so easy for them? Or it appears to be so easy. They're so put together. I'm alone. But then, you know, that's not, that's not real, realistic. Most parents, most moms, they're going through it, you know, and I feel for like sick. I don't even know how this is, but like single moms, single dads. And I've seen a lot of people in my family go through divorce and stuff and, and, uh, with younger kids and it's heartbreaking and it's, uh, that's really hard, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, but it's just, it's hard. Yeah, totally <laughs> but, hard. Well, and we, you're queuing this up perfectly because um, typically at the end of the podcast, I ask, you know, uh, this one question. And so I'm going to go ahead and ask it to you. So for you, John, what does it mean to be a good father? Being, being present in your children's lives. Um, man, that's a, you hit me with the, with a good question there. <laughs> Being a good father is when you're, when your children get older, you're worth going back to. So like you're, you're, you're worth to continue to be in their life, even when they're older and have their own family, they still want you in their life. They still go to you for support and you're still their number one for the questions they have to ask. They're, they're still going to you. They're coming back to you. I would say that that's, that's success as a father. That is a phenomenal response. I haven't heard that one yet. That's really, really great. I love it. Okay. So John, you're amazing. We've dropped so much beautiful wisdom and thoughts together here today. And I, I just think that 
everybody needs to go follow you. That's what I think. And so please, John, will you tell everybody where they can learn more and to follow Tired Dad? Yeah. Well, if you Google the Tired Dad or Tired Dad, I should I should come up. But my um, Instagram is at the Tired Dad, TikTok at the Tired Dad, YouTube, the Tired Dad, uh, Facebook, um, the Tired Dad. There is an imposter on Facebook. So, um, yeah, he's he's impostering me. But um, I have like 163,000 followers and my, my profile picture is always going to be the cartoon one of me pouring coffee with my family. So that's how, you know, if it's another picture, it's not me. And then uh, my website, tireddad.com. And I have a podcast now. Yeah. Uh, Six episodes are out. Uh, The tired dad podcast is on all streaming platforms, but on all my social accounts, it's in my bio. Uh, a link to it. It's on YouTube. So I love it. Okay. So we're going to put all those links for you in the show notes so you can find them there. But I also just want to mention it. If you're not watching this and you're actually listening to the podcast, um, John has this shirt on and it literally just, it has two words on it and it says tired dad period. And I just think it's phenomenal and they do have a merch shop. So moms, if you're listening, this is a phenomenal shirt for your fault for the dads and dads if you're listening you need one of these shirts it's i just love it and and once you get to hear john's message and kind of what him and his wife are standing for the shirt means so much more and so now you've heard it so you got to go grab a shirt tired dad again i just want to say thank you john for coming on you've been a phenomenal guest so happy to have you here and guys go follow john and thank you as always for listening to the powerful parenting journey podcast we'll see you next time I truly hope you enjoyed our episode today on the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast. Make sure to hit follow and subscribe so that you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. You're not going to want to miss a thing. I promise. If you were impacted by this episode, do me a favor and leave a review with a comment. I read every one of them and I also pass them along to our guests. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with friends. You can catch the show notes for this episode and any mentioned links at powerfulparenting.com forward slash podcast. If you want to see more behind the scenes with me and my guests, be sure to find me on Instagram or Facebook. It's where we can have deeper conversations on these podcasts. Take care. And remember, it's not about being a perfect parent. It's about taking each day and working on showing up powerfully for our kids. They deserve it and you are the parent for the job. See you on the next episode.